My name is Phil Williams and I would like to welcome you to Audio Angling, the podcast site of fishingfilmsandfacts.co.uk. Due to a number of factors, not least of which was the writing being very much on the wall for the distant water trawling fleet as the UK was closer going into the final boat of the Icelandic Cod Wars, pressure was put on the UK Whitefish Authority to look for new fishing grounds, new stocks and if possible new species too, which would be acceptable to the fish buying public. As an attempt to satisfy all of those requirements, the Grimsby trawler Suralana was chartered to undertake a series of deep water trawling trials off the west coast of Britain and Ireland, fishing at depths in excess of 600 fathoms along the edge of the continental slope. The first of those trials took place in April 1973 over what is known as the Hake Grounds, where the only demersal species found in abundance was the blue ling. Suralana went on to perform several more trials along the western edge of the continental slope, all the way from Shetland in the north to Land's End in the south, managing to locate areas where they could typically get 15 to 40 baskets of grenadiers per one and a half hour tow. Also caught were more blue ling, black scabbards and large redfish. The problem was that from a design perspective, Suralana was operating at the very limit of her capabilities. Due to the capacity of the cable drums, warp length to depth ratios had to be reduced from 3 to 1 down to 2 to 1, with heavier troll boards fitted, new headline floats capable of withstanding the extreme pressure, and more settlement time allowed on the bottom after shooting, greatly affecting the economics of the operation were it ever to become a commercial activity. A second boat, Swanella, was later also drafted in, but gear damage unfortunately proved a major factor over unfamiliar ground along the continental slope. The last boat to trial these grounds was the Fleetwood-based stern trawler Jacinta in 1974, now a museum ship in Fleetwood Fishkey. A good portion of this catch was shipped off to markets in France, Portugal and Spain, where many of these species are far less alien to a fish buying public, more open to diversity than fish eaters here in the UK. Some of the fish, however, were held back to be cooked and fed to local housewives looking for their approval, drawing in a wide range of comments that were televised at the time, the majority of which were less than favourable. As a result, no further trips were chartered and the idea was dropped, after which, with nowhere left for its distant water fleet to go, Fleetwood very quickly slipped into terminal decline, as the British government, under pressure from NATO not to jeopardise Keflavik as an important North Atlantic Cold War base, capitulated to Iceland's unilateral territorial demands. Present on that final trip in 1974 aboard Jacinta was Fleetwood commercial fisherman Dave Taylor. What follows is a conversation with Dave, who I caught up with at Fleetwood Marina in 2014. Ironically, with the Jacinta moored up in the old fish key just behind. What can you remember about that trip? It was just the, the depth of water we was fishing in, which was unusual, you know, which was, wasn't the normal depth of water we was fishing in. That was about the, the main thing I remember, and the types of fish we was catching was unusual to what we was normally catching, which was mainly cod. What about any problems with the fishing gear itself? Yeah, we used to blow floats up imploding due to the pressure. We did, went through a lot of floats on the headline. So what was the story behind it all? There must have been a build-up to it, why you went and, and why these experiments were carried out. I think they knew the writing was on the wall up, up in the Arctic and they, uh, they just decided they wanted to look at different fish stocks. It didn't really come to anything, but that's what the idea was behind it. And the trip itself? It's a long time ago. 
<laughs> it just seemed to be a long drawn out affair. It wasn't any large holes of fish, it was just uh, a steady sort of small holes. And it used to take us so long to haul the gear back out of that depth of water. We were fishing in something like 500 fathom of water. And uh, it, it was just a long drawn out thing. And we, at the end of it, it was fish we'd never seen before and didn't really know much about. And they were ugly fish as well. <laughs> you got a lot of deep water sharks in with them. And um, everything down that depth has got big teeth. And they just rip your boots and everything, kicking them down in the ramp to get down to where they was gutting them. A lot of the fish, were, we didn't even know what they was and they weren't savable. But everything seemed to want to bite you. <laughs> <laughs> what about with the, um, the heavier boards and stronger floats, the warp ratio as well? Yeah, well, the warp, where normally we would shoot three to one. That's uh, three fathoms of warp to every one fathom in you know, depth. We was down to like two to one. We was, it was slightly a bit more. I think it was in 500 fathom, we shooting 1100 fathom of warp, if I remember right. Because the weights of warp, that much warp out will keep the gear on the bottom anyway. So you don't have to have, it reduces that from three to one to two to one anyway in that depth of water. Um, the floats, yeah, we didn't really have any stronger floats at the time. We just used the same floats as we would do any, but we was putting more floats on because we knew we'd burst so many and was just changing them all the time. The doors were exactly the same doors we was using normally because it was heavy doors we used for normal fishing. So how long did you pull for? Uh, about three hours, three, three and a half hours. And not much fish in the net when it came up? Not any huge holes, it was just a steady sort of thing, 20-30 baskets sort of thing, of savable fish. There would be more than that, but the rest was just going back. What do you mean by savable, for eating purposes? Well, the ones that they, um, they wanted us to keep, like the grenadiers, and the, which we called rats, because of the tail, long, thin tail on them. And the um, scabbards, and of course the blue ling, because there was a marketable fish before that. And we caught a lot of halibuts as well, a lot of big halibuts that trip, I remember. I think we landed something like 70 odd head of halibut, really big halibuts. We was getting a couple each hole, one, two each hole anyway. But other than that, we never caught anything that you would catch up on the continental shelf. We never saw any cod or anything like that. Just too deep. I believe a lot of these fish are marketed in other countries, or were marketed prior to you going. The French in particular, blue ling and some of the, the red fish and that. Yeah, there was French ships off there at the time. It was mainly the blue ling they were looking for, but they did keep a lot more types of fish than we did because they already had a market for it. Uh, scabbards, even though there was a big demand for scabbards in Portugal at the time, I don't know whether the French was exporting them or whether they were eating them in France, but it's always been the same. The, the French and the Spanish a lot more diverse in the diet than what we are when it comes to fish, which is probably a lot of the problems that cause the problems. <laughs> Were there like pockets of a certain species or, or did you get a mix of elder no, sauce every time? A, it was just a spread of everything the same. No matter where we toured them, it's got the same. We tried different depths and everything, but round about, I mean, you've got to remember, going back to 1974, it was a long time ago, but 
if I remember right, it was around about the 500 fathom line that we was catching the most. We couldn't better it or worsen it, no matter what we did. It was just there. There was a thin spread of fish all over the place. So how much fish did you bring back? If I remember right, I think it was about 1,200 kit. 1,200 10 stone kits. So. Was that for marketing? Yeah, well, most of it was blue ling. And the grenadiers defilicited it and tried it out, you know, in different places to see how people thought. Now, from what I can remember, I remember watching telly at the time when it was all going on. It might not have been your trip, but one of these trips, they, they actually started cooking the fish up on the quayside and people were coming in and trying them and, and people, they were making comments about what they thought, but nobody was in favour of eating them. We had some grenadiers aboard. We filleted it and ate it and it tasted just like cod. It's slightly watery. It tasted very similar to cod. And scabbards, I've eaten them. They're, they're quite nice then. They're a bit oily, but they're nice. Uh, well, no, I haven't tried anything else from down there. But the grenadiers weren't bad tasting fish at all. But this is where uh, the problem lies, isn't it? It's what I said earlier. The people just don't want to change. And then it was all abandoned? Yeah. They didn't think it was viable. You see, I've been back to the same thing. We just couldn't market it, this stuff in this country. And at the time, we wasn't thrown out of ice until 1978. At that time, we didn't know how long it would go on, so they just sent the ships back up there. If there was not a lot of money to be made. So. so what was life like on a 1970s stern trawler? It was a lot nicer than being on a sidewinder, put it that way. And they, they was all new ships at the time. The living conditions aboard was far better. The working conditions on the deck was far better. You was in the undercover gutting and uh, it was just far safer, better ships. It was actually a dream to be on compared to side trawlers. The same conditions, but better ships to be in. Some nasty seas up there though. It's not just the seas, it's the ice and the cold and the black ice and stuff. We used to see videos of people climbing up on the rigging and either steaming the ice off or chipping it off. Yeah, yeah, we used to have to do that sometimes. It's not you're going too top heavy and that. So what do you reckon about the Cod Wars themselves? What sort of sparked it off? Well, it had two or three goals, didn't it? And then NATO stepped it, apparently, and... From what I can remember I started was they were going to push the, the limits, um, which was out 12 mile out to 40 mile, I think. And they just pushed us out of all the traditional grounds. And that's what sparked it off. They tried to enforce it, and we wouldn't recognise it. This, we said there was, was it, it was illegal for them to be doing that. And they said it wasn't, and they were, then they came out in the end with this thing where they wanted a 200 mile limit, and they did get it. Partly due to Americans? It could have been, yeah. <laughs> so they said. <laughs> so, well, obviously, fleet was like it is today now as a result of the loss of the fishing industry. I mean, to what extent did the Cod Wars and not finding viable stocks of fish off the edge of the shelf, what, to what extent did all these things contribute to the decline of Fleetwood? It's totally unrecognisable. It isn't just Fleetwood pulling the rims around the same way. And it just happened overnight. When it happened in 1978, they couldn't get rid of the ships quick enough to the scrapyard because they was paying arbor dues on them. The whole lot just seems to disappear in a flash. 
The stern trawlers, so there was a fleet of freezer trawlers in Hull and then we had the wet fish stern trawlers here. They went onto the mackerel, fishing the mackerel, and we went per trawling for whitefish up in the, uh, in the home water grounds and mackerel fishing in the winter. It was just the writing was on the wall after that. And gradually the stern trawlers uh, fizzled out, they just lost them. So what are your thoughts on Iceland's territorial claims then? I haven't got a problem with it. I think they was doing the right thing to save their own livelihood. At the time I didn't think that. I was only young, I was, I was only a deckhand, and at the time I thought it was terrible, but looking at it back now, really, we should have done the same thing if we hadn't been in the EEC now, because 90% of the fish caught in EEC waters is caught out of British and Irish waters, so we're, we're supplying the fish to the rest of them. We should do the same, really. We should have done the same. They was only protecting the livelihood. It's a small country with a small population that relied on fish. There was nothing else they could do. They had no agriculture. No. I suppose now with the EU and its common fisheries policy, there's even more need than ever to be finding new species and trawling new grounds, which is what you're trying to do, and, and it never really came up. Yeah. Well, we haven't got the ships to do it now. There's quite a lot of powerful... Whitefish boats up in Scotland that work out at Pizza Red and Fraserburgh and that, I suppose they could do it, but the thing is now, they've reduced the fishing fleet down that much that the fish stocks are gradually building up again. So they're never going to go and exploit fish out there that it's an unknown quantity while you've got traditional whitefish on your doorstep. So I, I can't see it ever happening. So could or should these deep water trials with better equipped boats resume in the future, do you think? Is it worth it? It could. They could. I don't know whether they will, but they could. Who knows? And maybe it will be more of a success than last time because uh, people's attitudes changed towards different types of fish and we're closer to the continental countries now and uh, maybe it would. We're starting to eat weird imported fish. We have, what's that, Vietnamese cobbler or something now? They sell it supermarkets. Yeah, and there's the hockey from New Zealand as well, isn't there? And uh, orange ruffy and stuff. An Alaska Pollock and, and Pacific Cod. So you never heard of that back in 1974. So maybe if they did resume it, it could be different, I don't know. Based on your own observations, though, we were struggling to get the fish and the economics of the fuel and the time it takes you to get the gear down and back and that. Considering that the, the French or whoever are already doing it and making it pay, do you think it ever could be made to pay? I haven't a clue. I mean, the French don't have the fleet they did have, and neither does the Spanish. So it hit them as well, even though they didn't traditionally fish out in the Arctic like we did. But um, I had a thought that if there was any money to be made in deep water fish, they would have already targeted better now and wouldn't have been doing that on a regular basis. But I don't know. I'm out of this picture now with it. I don't really know what they're doing. And I don't know how many ships are capable of fishing out in that depth of water they have. I know some of the Scottish boats go after the um, black halibuts in the deep water sometimes. And I don't know whether they save the other stuff they catch, you know, the, the bycatch of grenadiers and stuff. I don't know, I don't know. What so what's the future for Fleetwood? Oh, pretty grim, I think. I don't think you'll ever see a fishing industry back here. Well, I'm pretty sure you won't. No, there's no chance of it. One fishing boat left out of here now. Small wooden fishing boat. Mm, sad. 
What about the UK fishing industry generally? It's not in a very good condition, really. The fish stocks aren't great. Yeah, stories. There's plenty of cod in the North Sea and that, and plenty of hake and stuff. But without actually being up there now and fishing, you don't know because you don't know how to. It makes you wonder if Nigel Farage is right then about coming out of the European Union and keeping what we've got for ourselves. Mm. I think it's too late. It's too late for ports like us and Hull and stuff now. But had we come out of the European Union oh, 30 years ago, you know, just as we went in, we, we might have been a different story. But I don't think it would bring a fishing industry back now. Go on. Yeah.